0: So, sermon tonight is titled Ask Not. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me sometimes how sermons come together. Uh, some of you trained preachers might understand this a little better, but this sermon thought came to me two weeks ago tonight when I was serving on the Lord's table, and it just uh, snowballed from there, um, obviously in a good way. Now, I didn't plan to preach on my birthday. I had no plans of doing that, but that night I signed up. Um, but anyways, this is how it goes sometimes. On well, January 20th, 20, 20, 1961, um, some of you were alive at that point, some of us were not. Um, John F. Kennedy, in his inauguration speech, asked, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That was a very powerful statement that he made at that point in the time and when people still cared about presidential inaugurations. Um, but what we're going to do tonight is take the words, your country, out of that statement and say, and place it with the church. So ask not what the church can do for you, but what can you do for the church? Um, you know, sometimes we people of this world, especially in today's day and age, it's like, what do I get out of it? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? That's our attitudes. Uh, but the song, one of the songs that we sing tonight, um, "I gave my life for Thee," that definitely doesn't have the attitude of what have like that we need to be having of what we give our attitude for. it. So I'll ask a lot of questions this evening, but are we part of the church to see what things we get out of it or what we can give to it? People often talk about they go to worship, study, class, gospel meetings, and it's about what we got out of it. It was so great. It was so wonderful, which is good. But what did we give to it? Did we give our all during that worship service, during the song services? Um, everywhere we go, Anytime we're there with the little girls and they just start belting out in song, everybody just loves it. They're they're little, they don't know better, but they're giving their all when they sing. They are singing and they're happy to be singing to God. Um, And it brings smiles to people's faces. And you look over down the pew and not to be judgmental, but you see people who have been members of church for years and they barely open their mouth to sing. What are we coming to church for? What are we coming to worship for? Is it just to sit here, to check a box, or is it to give our all to God? So again, I said these thoughts came out of the song "I Gave My Life for Thee." So first thing we're like, "What hast Thou given for me?" I, I just sitting there as I was thinking about this. Can you imagine how narcissistic and selfish it would have somebody walked up to you and said, "Hey, what have you given to me today?" We would look at that person like they're probably crazy. But God did give a lot to us, and Christ gave a lot to us, um, and so He does in this song. The words of the song are made to make us to think of what have we given to Christ. What have we given to him? And so I ask, you know, what have you given to Christ today? What can we give to him each day? And there's a lot of things we could go into. I just picked a few of them. And so I want to look at, first off, time. Have we given Christ our time? Have we given the church? Have we given the kingdom our time? Second Timothy, um, in Second Timothy it says, Study to show yourself approved. And then 2 Timothy two fifteen it says, "Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. A worker does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God." In order to rightly divide the word of God and to show ourselves approved, we have to spend time. We have to spend time in the truth. Uh, it was my birthday today. Lisa got me a book, and I said, "Can you find me an extra hour in the day to read this book?" I do find time to read, but for the last two weeks, what I've been spending my time on is preparing a sermon. Uh, and so to do this, I had to take the time. I had to spend the time. The time I would normally spend reading books, I was doing a sermon. Uh, you know, we think about the Bereans. We obviously had our summer series, and this list, verse came up several times during our summer series about what the Bereans did. In Acts 17 11, the scripture said, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, and that they received the word with all readiness, and searched the scriptures daily to find out what they sowed. Um, I remember a while back, I think it was Brother Paul said, when you're looking for a definition of a word, you don't go to the, new, the English dictionary. You go to the Greek dictionary. I went to both just to compare them, but um, I definitely did that. Uh, but the Thessalonians, they search it daily, not just Sunday, you no know, Wednesday, gospel meetings. My kids are funny. I can probably use them more than they want to be used in this lesson, but it's like come Sunday and they're like, Where's my Bible? They're obviously not in their word every single day reading it, especially the little ones. We keep their Bibles up where they don't tear them up. But we shouldn't be like that as adults. It shouldn't come Sunday and you're on a mad search to find your Bible. Um, We should know where it is because we should have been reading and studying it. So according to Greek definition, daily is the interval between sunrise and sunset. And then Oxford means occurring every day. So the Bereans obviously gave the scriptures, the time. Again, that was our thought here, is what what are we giving Christ? Are we giving Christ our time? The Bereans gave the scriptures the time needed to understand them. So my question for you is, do you give the scriptures the time needed to understand them, to study them? Paul goes on in First Timothy 4.13, says, till I come give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attention. uh, Attention. You know, we tell, again, I think about my children. I'm telling, to try and tell them say, pay attention to me. Pay attention to what you're doing. Now, do we give attention? Are we focused? We live in a very, very distracted world. Every day, every moment, something is coming at you. I spoke about this a while back when we of our summer series, the number of advertisements and how much money goes into that. But distraction is a very powerful tool of Satan's to distract us. So many things can distract us. You know, activities... Toys and you know kids' toys, adult toys, going to the lake, hunting, whatever. Not you know. My mother was here on Sunday. She was here because my dad was hunting. That's what he does. That's his distraction. Every fall, he goes hunting. Um, you know, another thing that distracts a lot of people today. Uh, you see the signs driving down the highways. she just talks about putting your phone down. People drive, reading a phone. Shelly getting there, got hit the other day because somebody was driving while they were writing in a notebook in a construction zone. Um, people are distracted, but the phones, smartphones, are amazing tools today. Absolutely amazing tools. You know, somebody can be sitting in a lesson, and I, it happened to me when I was on, vac- on one of my business trips. Somebody asked a word, and I had my Greek right there on my phone. I could look it up, and in there, they're great tools. And I can do nearly half my job from my phone now. And every year, my company goes further and further and further into technology, and it's it's great because I feel like I can be more away sometimes. Um, and even this lesson, I wrote most of it from my phone because I have it with me, 98% of my waking time probably. However, when you think about the distractions it provides to people, a lot of people use it for the Bible. And that's good. Some people can be able to use that. Um, I use it, like I said, to write this sermon. I have my Bible there. Um, I can be researching stuff. But then... The thing about those phones is you get phone calls, you get text messages, you get app notifications. You get all these different things that distract you, and it distracts you. Um, And so I'm here, I am working along, things are going good, and I get one of those messages, and then my thought goes away because I'm distracted. I might not even act on it, but then I get distracted by it. And I ask you, guess who wins in that moment when you're studying? Guess who wins in that moment that you're distracted from the Word of God? Now, hopefully you get back to that thought, but not always. Sometimes you completely get off track and I am easily distracted. You can just ask Shelly. I am easily distracted. We're getting ready to go on a vacation and she says, I need you to do this. And 15 minutes later, she goes, what are you doing now? And I got completely off track because I found something else and I'm looking at something else. I'm easily distracted. So like I said, they're great tools. But in those moments when I'm trying to study, and read my Bible, you know, those distractions, Satan wins in those moments. As, I, as I've gotten older, I guess it probably lasts five to 10 years. I shouldn't say that's always older, because Russ is in that range, so I don't want to pick on him. But as I've gotten older, I like to read a lot more. At least it got me a book. Like five years ago, she would not have gotten me a book. I know she would not have. Uh, I like to read. And the thing is is, I like to read a physical book. I grab that book, I go to the library, uh, do that. I go to antique shops, I buy books. I love books. And so I'll grab these books and I'll sit down and I'll just start reading and I get lost in that book. But then again, when it comes to reading my Bible, I don't pick up my physical Bible a lot of times, I pick up my phone or I have my phone, right? Listen to my phone. Um, I like to listen to my Bible when I drive, but there's times I'm driving along, and all of a sudden, I'm halfway down with the book of Psalms and I don't have a clue what was said in the book of Psalms or which one I started with or which one I ended with. Um, because driving comes with distractions. So, and so I just ask myself, why do I cheapen listening and studying the word of God to my phone when I don't do that with other things? So I've got to ask myself and ask you, are, are we giving attention to the scriptures as Paul instructed Timothy? Paul goes further in two more verses in 1 Timothy and he says meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Again, according to the Greek, meditate means to care for, attend to, carefully, or practice. And then the Oxford says to think deeply or carefully. Uh, Brother Jeremy Northrow, Chuck and Jody's son, um, and several of us know him and are related to him, but he's a trained family therapist. Uh, currently he's teaching at the university teaching counseling but he also holds family and marriage seminars and one of his points during all his lessons and we've especially family members we've heard it many times is quality over quantity or he says quantity over quality which one every which way he goes um now again i am not not doing a family seminar marriage seminar i'm the first one qualified But it still applies to our Christian lives today. Quantity versus quality. I attend worship every time. That's great. That's a start. But do you participate? Do you listen? Are you an active person in worship service? Or are you distracted? Um, I listen to or read my Bible. Again, great start. And you've got to actually start reading it to learn things. But do you study it? Do you meditate? Do you ponder it? Research the Bible? Oh, yeah. so many Bibles today have you know footnotes, letter A and one, you know, whatever on that page. You ever read that and actually said, okay, that's an A, but what does that mean? And go and look at the cross-reference and go back and research and get a little more depth to the scriptures. That's the quality of reading the scriptures and studying them. Um and others is like I tell others what need to be done that's great somebody needs to realize what needs to be done but you ever thought maybe you could go do it um, you know do I do the things that need to be done for the church it's like hey you really need to take them some food okay you know, those types of attitudes or do we say what can I do to help the church how who can I go and help who can I go and serve um, that's where I stopped with that. And then I had to ask Shel about it. And she brought it once and said, outreach programs. You can have a plethora of outreach programs. But what about the quality of those outreach programs? What's the point of those? Well, there's a lot of congregations that have food pantries and clothing closets. And even locally in this area that do, not churches, but denominations. And one of them actually told Russ one time, he said, I wish we did with you guys and actually taught people the Bible. We, we focus on not just giving them things they need, but the quality. Get, teach them the scriptures of what they truly need. So you know, where do you fall? Are you in the quantity or the quality? Sometimes they both need to be there, but you can, um, you can definitely have just the quantity without the quality. You know, Christ gave his life, which we will get into a little more, and said, what do we give? Time and attention? That's not a lot to ask of somebody to give. I'm going to run out of time. Hast thou left aught for me? So he said, what hast thou given for me? Has thou, le- thou left aught for me? So again, Christ left heaven. What did he leave? He left heaven to come to this world of sin, suffering, evil, darkness, death, idolatry, adultery, etc. There's a lot of things I could list out there. I chose not to. Uh, if you guys, like I said, ask Doyle seen sing certain songs, we sing the song, No Tears in Heaven. So that's how heaven is described. If we look at Revelation 21, verse 4, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. So again, heaven is this, like, no, no tears, no death, no sorrow, uh, no pain. Um, he goes further in 21:25, he says, "Its gates shall not shut. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, no night." And then in John 14:2, he calls it a place of many mansions." Sounds like a really great place that I'd want to be. He left it all. He left it all to come to this earth, to suffer and to die for us what have we left for him? So he left an amazing place and then it's amazing how so many people in this world cannot leave behind an evil place. John 3.13 says here, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We must purify ourselves from this world. We cannot be of the world and be of God. Think about the Israelites. Uh Shell and I are studying Hebrew history three, I think. Um, OABS, I, I I picked it up in second class. We're in the third class now. You think about the Israelites; they refused to re- fully remove the Canaanites, the Amorites, and other nations from the nation, from the land they were given, and they were forever mixed with them. They are forever troubled by those nations because they refused to purify themselves. They refused to fully follow the word of God, and they were continually brought down by the sins of those nations. Solomon oftentimes said as the wisest man to ever ever live on earth. I'm gonna to have to agree with Chuck with this one, and I think it was Christ and not Solomon when he said that a while back when we were having a conversation. But he was brought down. Supposedly the wisest man on earth, he was brought down by mixing himself with those of the world, especially in marriage. So we refuse to move, remove all the sins from our lives and tempting to live mixed with the world. um, John, in in the book of John, chapter 17, verses 13 through 19, Christ speaks very specifically about this. And I will read that. I get over there. It says, but now I come to you. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word, and the word has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth." Yes, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We have to put the world away. We have to put the pleasures and the sins of this world away. We cannot be mixed with the world and truly live for God. Um, Sometimes those mixtures aren't necessarily always evil and sins, but they're riches of the world. Think about the rich young, young ruler who refused to leave his riches behind. And Jesus said, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Possessions, again, are a very big distraction in this world today. Um, Obviously, although some people don't want to work at all, so I don't know what they expect to live on. Um, So ask, what do, have, or will we leave behind for Christ? Christ says you're supposed to leave behind your mother and father, Matthew 10, 37. He goes on in Matthew 10, 37, so to you leave your sons and daughters. How often we see people, especially older faithful members of the church, who have had to leave behind sons and daughters who have fallen away. We have to leave behind riches, as the rich young ruler had to do. Um, we have to leave behind sins of the world. There's many, many places throughout the scriptures where you can read Lists of sins of the world. Um, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our Lord God. And I pray that's true, that we have left those things behind. Looking around this congregation, I, I can feel, say confidently, I believe nearly all of you have. I don't know everybody and what everybody has going on in their lives, but I believe most of you have. So what have we left for the kingdom? Jesus left heaven. What can we leave? What are we holding on to and pre- preventing us from fully worshiping God? Next, what has thou borne for me? What do I bear for Christ? There's, there's negative and positive things you can bear for Christ. There are you know, trials, afflictions, tribulations, persecutions, mocking, hard, hardships, uh, teasings. Those are negative things. But what about bearing the burdens of others? When we bear the burdens of others and help them through hard times, we're bearing those for Christ. Are we bearing our Christian duties and responsibilities as we can re- read in Galatians 6.5? And bearing our burdens, Galatians six two. Yeah, are we bearing the burden of teaching the lost, taking it on ourselves, or are we just putting it all on other people? Um, for those of us that are doing, having children, the task of raising raising children. Anybody who will raise children said sometimes it's a burden, um, but it's a good thing that we have to have. And do do we bear those burdens, and we do do we do them cheerfully, or do we do them at all? You know, we often bear a lot of things for our jobs. Stress, bad attitudes, foul language, inappropriate gestures or activities, poor work ethic, poor leadership, poor company values. A list can go on and on about that. Um, and what do we bear those things for? It's, it's really, I mean, paycheck, benefits, providing for our families. Those are all good things, absolutely. Um, However, what we have to bear for the church and what we bear for the kingdom provides an eternal reward, not a short term one on this heaven, on earth. And we need to be thinking about that. Do we bear our cross and follow him? Every time somebody reads this scripture, I always think about this one because I like this one better than all the others, even though they're all scriptural. But in Luke 9, 23, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me um, the other two accounts just say take up his cross uh, but I've always I've, I've tied I've hung on to this one in my mind I said I just like it better but that's the question do we take up our cross daily and bear it for Christ um, do we bear the scruples of the weak sometimes we have to uh, deal with the weak and teach them and help them Romans 15 1, he says when then who are strong When then, who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We need to help the weak. Um, It's not always what we have to put up with, it's also what we produce. Do we bear good fruits? Galatians 5 22 through 23. That's what we also have to bear. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such, there is no law. Sometimes you can look at a Christian and go, where are their fruits? You can ask, where are their fruits? It's difficult, or the fruit of the Spirit in this case, but we can produce fruits. Um, I pray we don't bear false witness. Romans 13, 9 says, you shall not bear false witness. So again, there's another negative that you can bear. Or do we bear with the word of exhortation? Uh, I've heard it said several times in lessons, but somebody say that, that lesson stepped on my toes, and preachers say, well, I was aiming for your heart. I think Brother uh, Tommy Stack said that maybe in the gospel meeting, and I've heard others say it. But we have to bear with that word of exhortation. Sometimes we get encouraged or exhorted, preached to, taught in class, things that, that we not know I to say like, but they might, they're the truth, and we need to accept them, and we need to understand we need to change our lives. Hebrews 13.22 there, writer of Hebrews says, And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in a few words. Sometimes we have to accept and bear those words of God, even though they might prick our conscience. And then what has thou brought for me? What do I bring for Christ? My all or some? We sing the song, none of self and all of thee. And it starts out all of self and none of thee, and it ends with um, none of self and all of thee. Sorry, it ends with the none of self and all of thee. You know, are we bringing our all to Christ? Are closing hymn and our closing song this evening is all to Jesus I surrender can you sing that one completely and all honestly that all to Jesus I surrender Romans chapter 12 um, is a great passage that I really like to read and it's encouraging and it talks about a lot of things that a Christian is supposed to be Uh, my Bible has a heading on it like the Christian um, behave like a Christian but the question is, like I so said, what do I bring? Do I bring my body as a living sacrifice? Romans twelve one. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, except for God, which is your reasonable service. I won't read the whole chapter, but many of these will come from that. Um, are we bringing a transformed mind? Not A mind not of the world, but a transformed mind that's been transformed by the scriptures? Are we bringing your love for the lost and for the brethren? Do we bring that to church? Do we bring that love to the kingdom by going out and teaching others? Um, do we bring affection for one another? I, I was listening. I don't know if it was Russ or some of the other, but I've been listening to a lot of sermons lately. Um, talk about you know you got to love one another, affection for one another, affection for the brethren, but also love for the lost. What about your diligence in serving the Lord? Romans 12, 11. not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Um, hospitality. Do we bring hospitality? Uh, yeah, I, I think about old preachers or even so we've had some preachers here come and they stay with Russ and Lisa. And anymore, it's like we're going to put you up in a hotel. Um, you don't have to think about you over there. I don't know if that's always the case. I know that the Ransom Lectureship takes care of their preachers at all points, but I feel like that's sometimes the attitude. Of some people like put them in a the hotel. We don't have to spend time with them. We don't have to talk to them. Um, but it's hospitality for anybody. How about my encouragement to others? Sometimes the smallest word can be encouraging to another member in a tough time or when they're not in a tough time. Uh, my last sermon, I got up here and I said, this is a tough part for an, un- for an untrained preacher. And I had somebody comment and say, you're not untrained, you're self-trained. And that was a compliment to me. It really like, changed my attitude about it. Yes, I didn't go to school, but I know how to read. I know how to study. And I can read the scriptures and learn to understand them and be able to preach. How about your generosity? Proverbs 3.27. Here the writer in Proverbs, Solomon says, let's get there a minute, do not withhold good from those to with whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. You know, generosity to those around us, not just in giving, but in what we can do. How about our good works? Do we bring our good works? There's a whole lot of things we can add to that, and each one of those could be a sermon all all on their own. But as we think about those things, what has thou given for me? Right? Yep, what hast thou given for me? What has thou left what has thou left aught for me? What hast thou born for me? And then what has thou brought for me? So this year it is my birthday today, as many of you have said, and it's been mentioned, but I'm in my 42nd year of life. So I asked myself, should I you asked myself, what can God do for me this year? Or what can I do for the kingdom? What can I do for God in my 42nd year? You now the church is described as the bride of Christ. And you know, what if we took a men especially, we took an attitude of uh, we didn't give anything to our wives or we hadn't left all for wives. We're gonna get married, but we're gonna keep all of our old girlfriends. No, that's not, what, that's not what marriage is. If we did not bear all for our wives, if we did not bring gifts to our wives, and it's not necessarily physical things, but I don't think we'd have a very good relationship if we didn't leave all those things. I've been married 20 years, so it's 20 year anniversary as well. Um, we'd have a pretty rocky relationship. It wouldn't be very good. That's how some people want to read the church. It's how they want to treat the kingdom. We don't want to leave anything behind. Um, and It's not just a box. The kingdom, the church, worship, study, being with the brethren, it's not a check a box. It's not, hey, I went to church once every six months. It's Easter. It's Christmas. I'm good. Check the box. I'm going to heaven. That's not what it is. And it's not that way in relationships either. You can't have a relationship with somebody that you don't ever see or don't ever talk to. You wish them happy birthday once, every, once a year and say, I'm good. That's not a relationship. In order for us to have a relationship, we have to ask ourselves, what have I given for Christ? What have I left for Christ? What have I born for Christ? And what am I bringing to Christ? If we can answer those things all in a positive of what we're doing for the kingdom We can say we have a relationship with Christ and we have a good one. And we are being, sports analogy, we're being a net positive to the church instead of a negative. We're not taking away from the kingdom. We want to be somebody that gives to the kingdom and that gives to the church. So as we conclude this evening and we start to sing our song, All to Jesus I Surrender, I want you to really think about those words. And if you cannot honestly sing that entire song, in all truth and all honesty with yourself, there's an opportunity to make yourself right with God this evening. Let's stand and sing.